Welcome to episode 40 of the Thunder Underground podcast. My name is Trent and I'm joined by Jason. What's going on? Not much. We're here to bring you a pretty good episode, I think, because we've got Ian Hogland from Europe. That's right. It's going to be a great episode. The band Europe, not just a dude from Europe. But he he is from Europe. Well, yeah, of course. (laughs) And and it's it's our 40th one, so it's going to be a great episode. Yeah, we're here hitting the big 4-0. That's right. We made it to. If we were women, we'd be cougars. Yeah. Right? <laughs> if we, I mean, if we, if we were, if we were chicks, we would be really fucking hot right now. Right. And we were just talking about that too. That's true. Gotta love it. Yeah. Diane Lane, shout out. <laughs> she's way older than forty, but she's still beautiful. So, <laughs> how did we get on Diane Lane a minute into this podcast? I don't know, but anyway, before we get into the whole interview with <clears throat> Ian. We've got a couple other things we want to talk about and, of course, play a song like we normally do. But before we get to the music, uh, about a month and a half ago or so, mid-late, mid-to-late Janu- or December before Christmas, we had an interview with Jamie Welch, who's the guitarist for Framing the Red. And he's actually only the guitarist here, if you're listening to this current, for another couple weeks. Yeah. And he goes into... Pretty good detail in the interview about why he was leaving the band. Who I think you used the word transparent. You know, he was completely open, talked about all that. It was a great interview. And the reason we're talking about this now is his, well, his last show's coming up in, I think it's mid-February. And bringing it up because he just announced a few days ago that he is now going to be Drowning Pool's touring manager. And we just wanted to give a shout out because he was a great dude. Nice, great to talk to, has a great mind for the business. So I think that's probably what led to this, you know, stepping into that area of the music business because the guy, you know, basically built built a band from the ground up that has had some, had some success and has made a name for themselves, you know, all around the country, touring nonstop. And, and now he's stepped into this side of the business, and I, you know, I don't, you know, really know him personally, but I would just say I'm proud of him because he's a great dude and he deserves any success he can get, you know. Oh, for sure. You know, it, it kind of like what you said, you know, we don't know him personally. We met him. He was a really nice guy. Uh, <clears throat> and again, he held nothing back. He talked about it all, the good, bad, the ugly. And uh, But one thing that we did get from him is, just like you said, he's had a great mind for the business. He's got a great eye for this shit, and it just, it, 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 all that kind of stuff dictates an opportunity like this for him to open up, and uh, it's, it's a great, a great foot in the door, uh, it's a great way to, to, you know, progress in just another step of his career, and uh, we just want to say congratulations, and, uh, you know, we know he's going to do good, because he, he had a, a sharp mind for this kind of stuff, so... Uh, drowning pool uh, definitely gained an asset there. Yeah, go back and check that episode out. It's a few episodes ago. Like everything on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com, black backslash thunder dash underground, Jamie Welch of Framing the Red, and now working with Drowning Pool. There you go. Yep. And like we mentioned, we want to play some music for you. We've got a band called Banshee that has uh, actually been around since the mid-80s, and they... They had, a, I think, a couple of EP and a couple albums, you know, from the span of like 86 to 91, 92. And then after that, they split up and they they got back together on occasion throughout the 
next 20 years, but then they got back for real, you know, on a consistent basis around 2012 and released an album called Mind Slave, which is a killer album. And these guys, from what I could tell, it looks like they've got new music coming here in 2016 as well. And this song that we're going to play is from their 2012 album, and it's called Taming the Beast.
Right, that was Taming the Beast from Banshee. Out of they originally they formed out of Kansas City, and I know that the guitarist is from there. I'm not sure if that's where George Call is from, but the singer George Call is also in the band Aska, which we which we happened to catch at Rocklahoma in 2015, right? This past year. That's right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we we've seen Aska before. Uh, we've talked about it on the podcast before. Uh, just great, great straight up, you know, classic metal sound and stuff. Uh, so, you know, th- this is just another, another extension and another edition of it for sure. Yeah. And this, this band, this song definitely fits that same, same bill, you know, it's got, you know, there's a lot of Iron Maiden, old Queensryche, that kind of vibe to it, but not necessarily sounding exactly like either one of them. But you definitely, you know, you hear that the harder edge of the 80s music in this band. And obviously, because that's where they originated from in the 80s. But they do it now. It's got great production and the the music, the songs are killer. So it's... It's just a, it's just a great sound to hear bands you know doing it this you know these days and doing it well. Oh, definitely. It, you know the vocals uh, jump out because he he's got a very unique voice. Uh, you know he he does all the things you want in a metal singer, but at the same time he has his own. Uh, you can definitely tell it's him the minute you hear it. Uh, it's a great song. You know, just that classic metal gallop that you know guys like you and me just are over the moon for. I like that when it hits the solo that, you know, it kind of goes into a meaner, slower groove while he solos over it and then goes back uh, into the, the, the original the original feel. It's just a great song. So, uh, you know, when it, when, it, when, it, when it comes on, just crank it up really loud. Yeah, and the thing is, his vocals come across live exactly like that. Like, he... He is a he is a singer, you know, and he he pulls that stuff off live. We saw him, like we said last year, and it was it was perfect. Oh yeah. So we're looking forward to seeing him this year because Banshee's playing Rocklahoma. Oh, that's right. We're twenty sixteen. Yeah, we'll, we'll be we'll be right up front for sure. Definitely. And I, you know, also <laughs> love the bass in this in this song too because it's you know a lot of my favorite bass players like Steve Harris or Duff McKagan or something has that that the bass lines that run outside of the guitars. You know, to where it stands out. Yeah, and that was happening a lot in this song as well. Yeah, always, always love a bass line that you can sing that gets stuck in your head along with everything else. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so check them out, Banshee. They they got their music for sale on, I believe it's on Amazon and on iTunes. You can check them out on Spotify. Check them out on their website, BansheeRocks.com, and on Facebook. All right, this past week. Traveled down to Shawnee, which is south, you know, what's that, north of Oklahoma City or west, whatever. It's close to Oklahoma <laughs> City. You know, it's a little under a couple hours from here from us. And we went down there because Europe was playing, and we had the chance to interview Ian Hogland, who's the drummer of Europe. He's been the drummer of Europe since, like, 1984. Yes. And, you know, which is, I think I brought it up in the interview, which is pretty impressive, you know, for any band of any genre to have a lineup for what's that now 32 years exactly i mean they did have a, a gap there where they didn't play for like 
10, 15 years, 10, 12 years. But, yeah, but even still, that, yeah, when, when bands like that come back, it right. seems like there's at least one guy that is not original or something. Right. And this, you know, the whole thing is, I mean, yeah. this guy's an Aerosmith. That's about it, right? Yeah. I mean. Yeah, when he come to, yeah, that kind of longevity. Exactly. And I mean, he he wasn't the original drummer, but he's been there since, I think, the second album. Mm-hmm. I, or I don't know, was Final Countdown the third album? I'm just getting I think it was the third album, but regardless, he's been there since, you know, all the huge hits started happening and this lineup, you know, this lineup has been consistent, which is great. And it shows, especially on the, the war of Kings album and the, you know, the last few albums they've done over the past 10 years, because when you've been a band that long, you know, it only generally only gets better as you go, you know, Oh, definitely. especially when you're musicians of that caliber. And that's the thing, Europe has always been one of those bands that, you know, it's like Winger or Iron Maiden or Mr. Big, where, like, every single guy in the band is, like, at the top of their game, you know? Oh, definitely. And it's just it's just one of those bands that is just packed full of musicianship. And still to this day, it shows, like with War of Kings, like I said. Oh, yeah, I mean, every guy in that band is one of the best at their instrument and uh war of kings just like you said that's a great way to go into this the their newest album war of kings is it's just uh it's rock and roll perfection really i mean it, you know riffs it sounds amazing the production songwriting i mean you just can't ask for a, a better hard rock album it's funny because you know a lot of people when they think Europe they just know those you know three or four big hits from yeah, the yeah. from the eighties and, and that's, that's not that's really sad you know it really is when you've got something you've got talent like this and you've got everything you take an album and every song is a gem yeah. and and someone's just gonna be like well, well where's Final Countdown right it's it's bullshit really and people need to to kind of open up their minds on this stuff yeah and it's uh. The the sound, especially like, you know, we talked about on War Kings, you know, just brings a lot of classic elements. And I think their music's always done that. But, you know, like you said, people think of the Final Countdown yeah. or Cherokee or something where it has that yeah. 80s sound to it. But a lot of their stuff just has a classic, like a Sabbath, Zeppelin, you know, all the classic bands. That That kind of sound just, you know, mixed together to form their own yeah exactly their own thing yeah I, I totally i totally get what you're saying well before we keep rambling about this why don't <laughs> we just get in this interview and talk to you when we get back a year now yeah and it's got a lot of critical acclaim i just wondered how fans have responded to the new to the new songs live it seems like people are responding very well to the new songs in fact we hear a lot that people think that the old songs and the new songs match together in a very nice way especially when we play live you know it's people think that the old songs and the new songs sounds like from the same era basically when we perform it live and um I think that's a good sign because uh, it proves that 
the music has always been there. It's just the recording technology that have changed, basically, I think. Well, I noticed you guys are playing like six or seven of the songs live, which I thought was yeah. pretty pretty cool because a lot of bands shy away from doing that yeah that's scary. Right. people might not respond well so that's right and, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually uh, surprised that that people are so um, familiar with the new songs you know they they sing along with the new songs as well and and it's um, yeah it's it's great you know because we when we started the the band in 2004 after the uh, after the, we've been away for whatever, 15 years or what. Uh, we said that we wanted that to be the uh, primary uh, driving force behind the band to, to, to write and perform new songs. Not only to, to rely on the, the old stuff, you know. Right. Well, you mentioned coming back in 2004. Was that hard? Like, or not hard? Was it easy to get back together and just start writing again? Was it just like. Yeah, you I guys had never split up that kind of thing. Yeah, it was a little bit like that. I mean, we the first thing we did together was the, we, we played a, a huge millennium show in Stockholm, outdoor show in the middle of the snow and like it was freezing cold and everything. But uh, we uh, so prior to that show, we only played Rock the Night and Final Countdown. We played the Final Countdown into the new millennium, which was really cool. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but we. Uh, <laughs> So actually, we, we met up a couple of days before that and, and rehearsed. And that was the first time we got together for, well, in 12 years or something. And the funny thing was that the chemistry within the band was there immediately. It, it, as you said, it felt like we haven't, hadn't been away from each other, basically. So it was, it was, uh, it was easy to, to start up again, basically, because... Uh, yeah, I mean, we we just decided to uh, let the you know ideas float freely and and try and just be open-minded about everything and just try and make the the, the you know let the music lead the way for us, sort of, instead of uh, deliberately trying to write in a certain fashion. We we, we used you know like the influ the newer influences that we. Uh, that we had, you know, since we've been away for 10 years, we've been listening to a lot of different bands during that time, so it was a little bit different, you know, we, we uh, on Start From The Dark, we had, a, maybe we were a little bit more influenced by Audio Slave and bands like that, Velvet Revolver maybe, and uh, so we, we kind of, we're kind of on a musical journey or something, I guess yeah. you can say. Um, you know, I always wonder how you guys got hooked up with Dave Cobb because from hmm. Sturgill Simpson to California Breed, I love the stuff he does. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was it was kind of um, just happened basically. Yeah. <laughs> the thing was, we we uh, we love both rival songs, their yeah. their songs and their albums, and also um, the California Breed album. And it was actually when that album came out, we we started checking out who's who's producing this and. We realized it's the same guy who did Rival Sons. And we we said that we wanted to try and get back to a more organic kind of vibe in the band. So uh, we just told the management to like get in touch with Dave and see what he what he says, if he might be interested in working with us. We, we didn't actually uh, count on him coming back to us or, or even, you know, agreeing to, to work with us. But he uh, he said, yeah, yeah, that's cool, you know. 
Uh, I used to play drums when I was a teenager, and I I used to play to the final countdown and everything. So that would be a great honor. So he was actually honored to to work with us. So we were like, wow, okay, cool. <laughs> so let's go then. Yeah. So it just happened by 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 accident, more or less. Yeah. It you know funny you said organic because like especially you know the drums like on second day it's mm -hmm. got like real in the evening kind of organic kind of airy thing going on yeah. that yeah. jumped out at me real quick yeah yeah I, I mean i love that i remember the first the first recording session i did with europe or when we recorded the the final countdown the producer we had on that album kevin elson who's also a great producer uh, he asked me so do you have any sound preferences for, for your drums anything you that you would like them to sound like and I said yeah I, I love you know like Coast Powell John Bonham Vinnie Appice on, on uh, Black Sabbath Mob Rules album you know like where you hear the, the it's like standing next to the drum kit so I said I, I would love that kind of drum sound and he said no 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 that would not work because we're in the 80s now and it's got to sound a certain way and I was like alright okay so uh, this I would say the sound that uh, 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 the drum sound on, on War of Kings is probably the, the comes closest to my ideal drum sound I would say uh, so I'm, I'm really pleased with it um, it's always it took that long huh? <laughs> yeah exactly yeah 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 uh, but it's uh, it was a very easy thing to work with with Dave because he's he's becomes more of a like a band member in the studio he's out there in the studio jamming with us and you know, trying different, uh, maybe you should try that accord instead of this, and you know, like coming up with yeah. creative uh, things in the studio. So, uh, and we also, one of the songs, Angel with, Angels with Broken Hearts, is that what the name, I'm not sure, even sure about the name of the song, but something like that. Uh, that song came, came about, uh, it took like two hours to write and to, to uh, record, basically. Um, we, we wrote it in the studio together with with Dave. Oh, okay. I think it was. I think I think um, John Norum had like a just a little guitar melody thing, and and Dave went like, "All right, that's cool. Let's be, let's build a song around that." <laughs> so we all grabbed a guitar each and sat around in, in the studio room, you know, and just like started tr strumming out chords and out. stuff. Yeah. So it was. Um, it just uh, it was really like uh, I guess they, they used to write songs back in the 70s yeah. so it, it was really inspiring and, and the funny thing or the funny the, the sad thing was just as we were sitting there uh, writing that song I got, I got a text message from a friend and he wrote did you did you know that Jack Bruce just passed away so you know that was just uh, around that time so I, t I told the guys while we were uh, writing the song. So that kind of set the mood for the song and the lyrics and stuff like that. It's it's not about uh, Jack, but it's it, you know it, it took us in that direction. Yeah, totally. So um, it was very uh, very uh, organic. Yeah. yeah. As a as a, you know a guy that's been doing it for a long time, you know seasoned at this kind of stuff. Is it or do you still? leave yourself open to suggestion and stuff to from a producer when you're doing this kind of stuff yeah definitely we yeah. we when we write songs it's it's um we try and leave maybe 20 25 percent open when we go into the studio we have the basic structure and the you know the you know what the chord or chords or verse bridge chorus is going to be like but we leave like 25 percent open 
to you know put the icing on the cake in the studio. So um, I mean, the War Kings, the, the title track, I remember had a totally different um, vibe to it in the beginning. You know, it was more written like a more in a bluesier kind of uh, fashion. And then uh, when Dave heard the, the riff, he said, "Like, well, why don't you just like try and change this chord into a minor chord?" So it became almost like a little Black Sabbath-ish, like a little kind of diabolic kind of vibe to it. And uh, so that kind of, only, you know, like changing that chord uh, or that note in in the melody um, changed the whole vibe of the the song and the lyrics and everything. So it's just small things like that 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 can take the music in a totally different direction. Yeah, make a big difference. Yeah, but it was, um, yeah, as I said, Dave came up with a lot of of, of, uh, great ideas. Uh, And hopefully... We're going to be able to work with him again. He's, I mean, he's he's been making it big in, in Nashville now, yeah. with uh, in, in the country scene. Yeah. So, uh, but he's he's agreed to do the next album. So, uh, if we can make time, yeah, get all <laughs> <Yeah>. up. <laughs> we'll see. Are you already looking at the next album, or is that <clears throat> in the future? No, no, we we we've already decided it, we're going to go into the studio in in uh, September. Oh wow! Yeah, so we're going to be doing the. Uh, you know, like summer festivals and stuff, uh, up till last uh, last Ju- July last, and then we August we're going to be rehearsing and and, and putting the, the things together, and then into the studio in September. So hopefully the the next album will be out early next year. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and also at the uh, in the very end of the year, we're going to be uh, doing a maybe like ten or. 15 um, uh, final countdown final countdown shows where we play the whole album from beginning to, to end but that's basically going to be in in, uh, in Europe unfortunately yeah. but yeah, that was actually uh, one of my questions if you guys had ever considered playing an album yeah. it's in the diary we did it actually in, in like two years ago with uh, Wings of Tomorrow we, I think we did four or six shows in, in, in Sweden only because I mean the Wings of Tomorrow album was I don't think it was yeah I think it was released in, in the States uh, basically at the same time as as uh, Final Countdown and um, yeah we're gonna do that uh, Final Countdown uh, album thing but not more than 10 or top 15 shows okay yeah. well, we mentioned California Breed earlier and yeah. we're both big fans of Glenn Hughes, and we know you played on from, from now on. Yeah, yeah. Do you right. have any, like, good memories of that? Or, I mean, is that... Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, well, actually, I, I only played on, on the two uh, bonus tracks on, on from oh, now okay. on. The, okay. We re-recorded um, uh, You Keep On Moving and Bird. And I remember that was that was great fun. I mean, being able to play with... It's the door. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was um, it was a big honor to, to play with, you know, being in the studio with one of the original members that actually sang and wrote and played on those albums. So uh, that was kind of an interesting vibe. And then we went on tour and we uh, went to Japan uh, and uh, we did, I think we did four shows and then we recorded a live album. Right. So... Uh, I think it's called Burning Burning Japan Live or something like that. Uh, and, uh, where I mean, the, the set list was basically 20, 
75% Deep Purple songs yeah. <laughs> and some Hughes Thrall and some uh, Phenomena songs and stuff uh, and um, uh, a Trapeze song as well uh, but it was it was great fun I mean the whole vibe just being on stage playing these songs uh, I think it I think it gave me personally as a, as a musician a lot of um, a big boost just you know having the, the, the chance to play those songs live and uh, realizing that I actually could perform them and play them that, that gave me a big boost as a as a drummer and also a lot of people came up and said yeah this is the best this is the best uh, purple band since the purple wow. <laughs> uh, because uh, we, we it was the whole band was actually from Sweden you know it was me John Levin and John and Mick McHaley and then two guitar players from from Sweden as well and uh, they used to have a band before <coughs> uh, before uh, they they joined the uh, Glenn Hughes uh, so they were kind of tied together already then and then I stepped in and we uh, yeah everything just fell into place and, and it was a, it was a good band um, great shows and then all of a sudden I don't know it seems like Glenn has a, he's kind of tricky in that way because he's like going in that direction and then all of a sudden he's like going in this direction and or back again you know, like with the Black Country, the Black Country Communion already, uh, three albums and it's over, and all of a sudden it's California Breed, and then one album, and you know, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, he's he has a great voice. I have to say, he's for his age, uh, for being in that di- uh, generation. I think he's he's probably the the singer that has the best voice. You know, like compared to to like uh, Ian Gillen or, or, or Rob Halford or, or you know all these guys Klaus Mine they don't have that edge you know that razor blade edge in the voice anymore but Glenn does yeah. I think so yeah you don't <laughs> well I mean you work with him and of course Europe's full of amazing musicians and you worked with Malmsteen way back like, yeah. is there is there anybody that you've not worked with that's still living that you'd love to collaborate with if you had the chance or I don't know it's uh, I mean there's I always have one always have dreams but you know I, I would I would love to I mean Rush has always been one of my favorite bands obviously since I grew up and and uh, you know to play with Get Lee that would be cool yeah. <laughs> but I never I never saw myself I, I mean I love the progressive music the, the, like the you know the Rush bands and the Yes and the, all those progressive, the older old school progressive bands, but I I, I I don't think I actually could play that music. I don't think I have that skill, that frame of thinking musically. Um, but it yeah, Richie Blackmore would be cool to play with before he takes off somewhere. Right. <laughs> Maybe Jimmy Page. Yeah, Jimmy Page would be cool. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he says that he's going to release a new album this year, but. He's, he's been saying that band together or something. I yeah. Think, yeah, it's just that he's been saying that for 15 years. <laughs> you never know what's, what's going to happen. Who's the first drummer you heard that made you say this is what I want to do? Cozy Powell, okay. 1976, Rainbow Rising. I remember to this, you know, like totally clear today. I, the first time I put on the album and, and uh, Terror Woman goes on with a with a Minimoog solo and then. Straight into the riff and then Cozy Powell does the. I was totally mesmerized by the by the drumming, you know, the the heavy, you know, like beats. 
and you know it just through the album it just escalated and then you flip the side and play side two and Stargazer comes on with a with that huge drum fill into the song and I was like yeah that's what I want to do you know and then I, just a little later that same year I think it was in September 76 I went to see them in, in Stockholm that was actually my first rock concert ever and uh, I saw Kosa Powell playing live with Rainbow and you know when he did his drum solo and all that it's, I was just like yeah, yeah. Th- that's that's where I gotta be you know what a first concert to go to yeah <laughs> yeah and I remember it was so fucking loud it was just like like a like a jumbo jet just revving up or something and they had that rainbow you know with all the 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 the, the early computerized oh, yeah. lights but it was fantastic for its for its time i think yeah. i'm still looking at clips on youtube from that uh, from that time and i still don't get it how they managed to get that rainbow doing all that the, the weird uh, you know like uh, designs but it was it was just one uh, that, that was my hallelujah moment you know this is this is it yeah. Well, you guys had obviously huge hits in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And what do you think, like, throughout time in America, Europe has, doesn't get brought up when people talk about, you know, huge bands from the 80s? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I know it is in other places in yeah. the world, but it seems like America yeah. just kind of got lost somewhere along the That's way. That's right. I think we, we, we have ourselves to, to, to blame about that because we, we had a lot of success, as you said, with the Final Countdown and Carrie and, and, and Cherokee. And then also when we released Out of This World and, and Superstitious got some airtime and, and we <clears throat> were on tour with Def Leppard. And so we had, you know, we have the path set out for us. But the problem was that we, that we were signed to do... Um, Southeast Asian tour right after the the the, the Flepper tour and you know like when it was like two or three shows left with Def Leppard they asked us do you want to join us on the on the in the round tour that we were going to do that they were going to do and we said yeah we would have loved to do that but unfortunately we're signed to do this uh, um, you know Asian tour whatever so I think that we, we should have you know Screw Asia, go for it for the states now, you know, because that's when the ro- the wheel was rolling. So um, uh, I think that's where we kind of jumped off the train. Yeah. And uh, if we should have stayed in in the states for another year and just like with Def Leppard or whatever, I think it would have been a, a different story. But there, you know, you you go, you never know in in advance where yeah. what, where, where the journey is going to yeah. take you. So there's no regrets. It's just like, you know, just realizing that's what we went wrong. But then again, uh, we now we finally have a good American management that um, that helps us a lot to to set up the the American. I mean, these tours and stuff that we've been doing now. So it's uh, it's uh, you know a little bit of a, a revenge. Yeah, on, yeah. On the yeah past. So there, those are good buzz going. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with that Geico commercial thing that <laughs> that we did you know that was just crazy it just came from out of nowhere they just got in touch with the management and asked them you know would we be willing to participate in in that and we said well yeah why not let's try it we never done anything like that before so try it and it just took off and and 
Final Countdown went up to the first spot on the on the iTunes downloading yeah. the, uh, <laughs> chart for a while. Yeah, that, that was one crazy. of our questions. Actually. Yeah, I wondered yeah. if it yeah. spiked in sales <laughs> after that or not. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it became a big bus, and it's uh, so. I mean, I'm sure that we we have. Uh, I mean, if we do it right this time, which I'm sure that we are, uh, you know, are able to do with the with the help of a, of, of the American management that we have now, I think we have a, a good second chance to to come back i mean obviously it's not going to be as big as in the 80s but at least to be able to to come here and and, and tour more frequently and you know oh, be more here you know? yeah yeah well it seems like since you've came back you've had what almost as or as many albums as you had before you guys left like yeah five now or is, yeah we is did, that right yeah i think yeah. so uh even and, six we 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 did we did a like a semi-acoustic album called oh, yeah. Almost Unplugged as well that was never officially released but uh, so I think actually we, we last time around we were uh, we I think we were around for 10 years the first Mark 1 sort of and this time we're up to 11 years so we <laughs> exceeded with one year and we still don't have any plans to, to, to it. right now it's it, it's it still feels like we we are sort of getting into it, yeah. so we, we don't see a, <clears throat> uh, an end, or we're not feeling like we're burned out or anything about it. So uh, yeah, hopefully we have a another couple of years oh, yeah. ahead to go. Yeah, I think that about wraps it up. All right, appreciate it. Cool. Sure. Yeah, sure. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, appreciate it. All right, there you go, Ian Hogland drummer from Europe. Quite an honor to be able to sit down with this guy for a little bit, talk to him. Super nice, cordial, just an awesome experience like a lot of these have been. Oh yeah, I mean it was uh very easy going, uh, very telling, you know, it just uh I, I there's one point where and we talked about this we, we kind of forgot like what questions we had coming up next cuz we were just like listening to his stories. Right. And we kind of got lost in that. So uh you know, thanks to him, it was a complete honor, and uh, you know, we know you guys. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed it. And thanks to Adrenaline PR, Katie Irizarry for setting that up for us. Europe's tour manager Stefan, and of course, above all else, Ian for taking the time to do that. Oh, definitely. All right, we. Uh, if this is the first time you listen to us, hit us up at thethunderunderground.com. You can find all our podcasts on there. You can also find them on SoundCloud backslash thunder dash underground we've got if you're into europe you know we've got stuff like what fits that bill warrant yeah we've got joey allen from warrant go find that yeah. one we had mike ariza from the frank hannon band there you go and you know like we said you'd probably love stuff like framing the red and all that kind of stuff you know we've got we go into heavy metal as well just check it out dig through it and see if you can find something you like we've also got a great a really great hard rock band called Delacoma that we've got an episode coming up with next week. Yeah. And yeah, we saw them last night uh, and it was a great show and we got to talk to those guys. So, you know, that be on the lookout for that episode. Yeah. I mean, that's a, you know, just to talk real quick about that show not to get too in depth since we're going to on that episode probably. Oh yeah. But it's just, if you get a chance to see this band do it because it's, it's just high energy rock and roll oh, is yeah. the best way to describe it. It's just a hard rock band that 
you know, all four guys on the stage are just really into it. And it just, and it shows, it comes across. It's just a good time rock and roll vibe. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a great night and a great show. And, uh, you know, like, like Trent said, we'll go into it a little bit more, but, uh, we just kind of wanted to give you guys a teaser for now. Yeah. And, uh, we've also got a, an episode with a local band, The Grind coming up. Uh, so look out for that. That's a good one. Yep. And we've got other stuff in the works as always, and we'll be bringing that to you soon. Hit us up on Facebook, search for Thunder Underground. Find us on YouTube and Instagram at The Thunder Underground. Find us on Twitter at THNDRUNDR Ground. And once again, the website that has all this information is www.thethunderunderground.com. All right. Does that do it for this episode? You think that uh, Do we wraps want to talk, her on up? Want to talk about Diane Lane anymore? Or? <laughs> well, uh, under the Tuscan sun, man, she was so beautiful. In that. Okay, that's and that was like 15 years ago, and she's even hotter now. Yeah, I've never seen that movie. You need and to the see fact it. that no, I don't. The fact yeah. that you have, I will watch anything that woman's in. It doesn't matter. Oh my god. Well, again, again, here we are. I'm having to wrap this up. <laughs> You know, it's a good goddamn thing I'm here. Yes. I can tell when, when this shit's going south, so... Yeah, usually things go good, and at the end of our episodes, they go off the rails, and Jason reigns it back in. That's right. So, hey... He says, see ya. Everybody, go, go uh... Now that you're done with this episode, uh, whatever your favorite band is, go crank them loud, and, uh, tell your friends about us, like and share, and, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.